What's up? Welcome back to Point Blank, episode number 51. I'm Chantel Chen, joined alongside Akeem Haynes. We just want to start off by saying thank you so much for supporting the show. If you have already subscribed, thank you so much. But if you have it, make sure to click that subscribe button, hit that like button. Also, if you're listening to this on any of those podcast platforms, make sure to leave a rate and review. And we just want to say thank you so much for rocking with the show. Also, make sure to follow us on our social media platforms. On Twitter, we're at Point Blank Pod. And on Instagram, we're at The Point Blank Pod. You'll also see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. And we got a big show coming up. But before we get into that, Akeem, how was your weekend? And did you enjoy all of the college football games? And of course, boxing. Yeah, I saw um, Georgia destroy Oregon, which I knew was going to happen. Um, I didn't expect Notre Dame to hang in there as well as they did, though, to be honest. I thought that was a good game as well, too. Uh, Boxing, man. You know, it was an interesting uh, fights across the board. I mean, one of the ones that really stuck out to me... um, was uh, Hector Flores and Sivanachi Nanchenga, which was yes. a ridiculous fight in itself. But, you know, then you go to the heavyweights and you see what that's like. Uh, Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz, I think for me, one of the things in the Luis Ortiz fight is, yes, we all know he's an older man. Like, we all know this, right? So I didn't get too hung up on the age too much like most people do. As long as he's got that left hand, he's always got a puncher's chance. But no matter the age, this was a very good win for um for Andy Ruiz especially a, a caliber fighter like Ortiz so I, it was a good weekend what about you what were your thoughts on this fight did anything stick out to you fight wise well you know I think it's like so hard to not root for a guy like Ortiz because you know his story you know how hard he's worked to get where he is and you're right he still has power in his hands right and that was shown in the fight like he stung Ruiz a couple of times as for Andy Ruiz it's like, I liked his performance. I didn't love it. Um, you know, there's talks about him and Deontay Wilder fighting after Deontay Wilder is successful against Hellenius. And it's like, I think Wilder beats him, you know, just looking at it like that. And so it's interesting. Uh, but, you know, obviously it was a really good fight. I thought the whole card was really good. Uh, Pitbull Cruz put on a great performance as well. Um, so it was really exciting. Um, I also like the fact that we got to see um, Juan Francisco Estrada fight on the weekend as well. That was a really good fight. I thought Cortez fought like pretty well, um, better than I thought he would. So there were some really good fights on the weekend. We're going to get some really good boxing because it's a big weekend in women's boxing coming up as well. But Akeem, I think we got a roll right now because... This is the week where NFL season finally begins. It's kickoff time this week, this Thursday, the Bills and the Rams. But we do our Super Bowl predictions. We like to do predictions on this show. So I'm going to ask you straight up, who do you have winning the Super Bowl this year? Well, I got a straight up answer for you this time around. Until I don't have six teams, I got two. And that's the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers, I think, are going to be in the Super Bowl this year. I think the Bills are going in with a lot of momentum from the year before, right? Coming off of the success they had, Josh Allen solidifying himself as one of the best QBs in the game, the grit of that defense, and with the addition that they've had with that team as well, too, I think it's time. You know what I'm saying? The Buffalo Bills have came up short a lot. 
in history and recently with the time. But I think this is their time, Chantel. I like the team. I like what they have going on. So I'm going to go out and say the Bills are going to be there. Now, the Green Bay Packers, you remember you remember when you gave uh, Aaron Rodgers a hard time because of long his hair? long hair? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he continued to ball out and he continued to put up numbers. You know, every time that I want to say, you know, Aaron Rodgers, man, like what is going on? He shows us something different. And I honestly think with Devontae Adams being gone, he is going to have to depend on that team a lot more. And so I think he is going to have to buy in a lot more, more than he's already done, and really be vocal more than he's already done, but also more trusting as the leader standpoint. And I think he's going to have to lean on his teammates and the receivers a lot more this year than previous years before. And I think he can. I don't know what the ayahuasca situation is. It seemed to enlighten his spirits. And so an enlightened Aaron Rodgers mixed with how well he's been playing in the past couple of years, especially history has said, I'm going to go out and put them in the mix to be in the Super Bowl as well. So I got the Bills and I got the Green Bay Packers. And tell what about you? Who do you have? All right. Well, the thing about it is that the Bills are the favorite to win it this year Um, on the betting side. As you know, know I do a lot of betting. Um, They are the favorite to win it this year. Um, And no surprise there. They have tons of depth. Josh Allen is probably going to have another MVP campaign. So I'm not surprised there. I'm not rolling with the Bills, actually, though. I think they make it to the AFC championship game. But I'm going to roll with an underdog in this one. I have the L.A. Chargers winning the Super Bowl this year. Last year, I picked the L.A. Rams. This year, I'm going with the L.A. Chargers. And I know they play in the toughest division in football with the Kansas City Chiefs, with the Broncos and the Raiders. This division is going to be, well, it is stacked. It's the best division in, in football. But let's keep it real here. The Chargers got better on defense, right? They added Khalil Mack. On the other side is going to be Joey Bosa. This is also a team that already has a Derwin James and Asante Samuel Jr. They got better in the secondary as well. They added JC Jackson. We haven't even actually talked about Justin Herbert because he played really well last year. And I think he's only going to get better. He threw for over 5,000 yards. He had 38 touchdowns, only 15 interceptions. He's bound to get better this year. And the thing is, he's still going to have his favorite target in Mike Williams. They signed him to an extension. And what I really, really liked about what the Chargers did is because we know they have Eckler, right? We know that he's a really good running back. But what they did is they went during the draft and they drafted the young stud in Isaiah Spiller, who played for Texas A&M. And I believe when he was healthy, He was the best running back in the SEC. So they got better in the backfield. This is a two running back tandem now that they're going to run. He's really good in option as well. So I really like the Chargers this year. I think people are sleeping on them. I know that some people also have them winning, but I really think they could get it done this year because there's just so much talent on this team. They're absolutely loaded, as is the AFC. The big question is, Will Justin Herbert be able to play in those big moments? Because he's young. He's still a really, really young quarterback. And he's going to have growing pains, right? Josh Allen went through it last year. That's why I think a lot of people are saying, you know, the Bills are going to get over the hump this year. But this defense, like this is going to be one of the best defenses in the entire league. So I'm rolling with the Chargers to win. As for the NFC, I actually think it's extremely wide open. You pick the Green Bay Packers and... I actually think the Packers are going to have a down year. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to ball out, man. But I also think that the Minnesota Vikings are right there in that division, and they've made some really good improvements, especially on their defense. So 
for me, I think the NFC is wide open, but I'm also going to take another sleeper pick. I'm not going to go with the Rams. I think they have a really good chance. Could you imagine an LA versus LA Super Bowl? People would hate that. Um, but I actually think the Niners have a really, really good chance because I think they're going to go toe-to-toe with the Arizona Cardinals in that division in the NFC West, but their defense is really, really stacked as well. They have so much depth on the D-line, and they also now have Jimmy G as their backup quarterback. And I know everyone's talking about Trey Lance. He's young. What are we going to get from him? Last year, we saw a lot of flaws. But we also saw a lot of special moments where you're like, this guy could be really, really good. But here's the thing. If Trey Lance has like three or four bad games as a starter, they're going to put Jimmy G in there, right? Because this is a good team that that can compete. And we know that Jimmy G can win. So another thing is if Trey Lance plays really well, then they could definitely use Jimmy G as a trade piece and get another piece back. There's a lot of options for this Niners team. So I think it's going to be the Chargers and the Niners. It's going to be a California Super Bowl, but I have the Chargers winning it all. Point Blank would love to know your Super Bowl predictions. Are they a little bit risky like mine? Do you like Akeem's picks, Aaron Rodgers? How the hell do you go against that guy? Also, the Bills, one of the favorites to win it. Let us know. Drop some comments in our YouTube section. You can also hit us up on Twitter and IG, and you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. Akeem, we're going to move over now to some more fun things to talk about. I'm talking about the hardwood because a big trade was made just this past week. Finally, Donovan Mitchell has been traded, heading to Cleveland. How do you feel about this deal? And how do you feel about the Cleveland Cavaliers now in the Eastern Conference? Man, I was a little uh, surprised by the move, not from a basketball standpoint, but from a city standpoint. Right. He's been in Utah, not as big as a market. And I just felt like he was moving towards going towards the Knicks. Now, it didn't happen. So now we're here. The Cleveland Cavaliers, I felt like they have went all in on the guards and the bigs. Jared Allen has, man, since he's left the Nets, he has been having a outstanding time. Right. His numbers have been going up, more playing time. He's been an all-star, all these different things. What I think Donovan Mitchell brings towards this team now is a confidence and a belief and a hunger. And so if they can stay healthy, I actually like this move. I think he's going to open up a lot of things. I think the bigs inside are going to be able to score more points and they are going to add something different to it because they still kept Kevin Love and he's going to play a component as well too. So I actually like this move while I just don't know how deep in the playoffs that they will they did okay when he was in Utah with the same depth but can they get over the hump I'm not sure yet I have to see what it's going to be like does this move make them be able to compete with the Nets absolutely but what what is the length of this is going to if it doesn't work I mean they gave up a lot if it doesn't work then what so I like the move I just want to see a little bit more of it but again I think right now they're going all in on the guards and the big player you know kind of reminds me of that old school you know no I'm no Akeem you know what I'm not gonna compare to that I was over my head I was about to make what were you gonna say I was gonna say something about the Lakers but I gotta rewind it back because it's just not the same I'm not even what were you gonna say I want to know I'm not even gonna say it Um, (laughs) my mind got away from me but I do like this move man I've been a big fan of Spider since he came into the league and I think this is a good move for him but the guard play of it now, who's going to be the, the, the more ball handed facilitator? 
that's a question that I have in mind as well, too. What What are your thoughts on the situation, Chantel? How do you see it going? Regular season, I think they'll be good, but do you think this addition gives them uh, a, a deeper run in the playoffs? Oh, yeah, I think this addition is crazy for the Cleveland Cavaliers. LeBron should just leave L.A. now, get himself up out of there, come, come to Cleveland, to Cleveland. <laughs> and they and they win a championship, man. And they win a championship because they, I think this is the projected starting lineup, right? You have Darius Garland at the point. Yep. You got Spada at, you know, shooting guard. You got Karis LeVert at small forward. You got Evan Mobley, power forward. And oh, then you got God. Jared Allen as a center. That is a ridiculous lineup. That's a very young lineup, a very talented lineup. And, you know, as they get more pieces, they're going to have Kevin Love coming off the bench, maybe, um, you know, so another guy that can contribute offensively. This is a good team. And I think this is a team that could do damage in the playoffs. Eastern Conference, though, is really tough. That's you got the Nets, you got the Celtics, you got the Miami Heat, you know, the East has gotten a lot better. At one point, we were like, man, the East isn't good for so many years because the West was just dominating. But you can't say that about the Eastern Conference anymore. There's some really, really good teams in the East. You also got the Hornets that are going to be making some noise, right? Are they going to be good again this season? There's just so much competition, but I do think the Cleveland Cavaliers do have the potential to go to the second round. I think they do have the potential to upset people. I forgot to mention the Raptors, but they're also going to be in the mix of, you know, making the playoffs as well because they're only going to get better. Um, So there's so many good teams, but I think this is a good move for Donovan Mitchell and it doesn't hurt for the Cavs to go for it, right? They get a guy that's a top 15 player in the league. Let's just say he's a top 15 player in the league, right? He is that good. Some people might not want to give him that and say maybe he's top 20, top 25. Sure. But he's still a guy that can go off for like 40 points if he wants to, right? He's a scoring machine. He can perform in the playoffs. We've seen him do that. And he fits right into this squad, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's a scorer. Garland, like he's such a good facilitator. He's going to be able to make great plays with Donovan Mitchell on the floor and they just have the pieces. So they're just missing LeBron James now and they just win the NBA championship. This is how good this team is. And you know, LeBron's probably like, man, why did I sign in LA again? I could go back to Cleveland, win a chip, maybe two and then retire. This is a good team. That's really, really young. So good move for Donovan Mitchell as a Knicks fan. I'm like, man, they didn't actually give up too much to get him. Yeah. yeah. They were asking for like so much from the Knicks. The Knicks would have got fleeced, but yeah, I think this is a good deal for Cleveland and man, like it's, it's a win for them. So I definitely see them being a playoff team. I see them at least going to the second round. The East is tough though. So let's see what happens and let's see what actually happens on the floor. Point blank would love to know your thoughts on the Donovan Mitchell trade. Do you think it's good for the Cavs? How do you think it fits for the jazz as well? They have numerous picks now that they can do whatever with uh let us know your thoughts drop some comments in our youtube section you can also hit us up on twitter and ig and you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us akeem we're going to move over from the hardwood to the boxing ring it's an all-women's card it's going to be absolutely epic but let's start off with the undisputed match the main event undisputed at 160 pounds clarissa shields and savannah marshall this is for the WBC, the WBA, the IBF, the Ring magazine titles, which Shields has, and then Marshall has the WBO. For Undisputed, how big is this fight? Who do you see winning and how? Yeah, it's a massive fight. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, this is the first ever fee- all-female card, is it not? Like yeah, that, that in itself is amazing to see. Then you go back to the Anthony Joshua fight when he fought Usyk and Ramla Ali. It was the first female fight in that part of the world. So 
good things happening in the female boxing side of things. Now, let's go back to the breakdown of Shields and Marshall. Now, we know the history. We know the amateurs. We know the back and forth. We know all of these different things, but it makes for a great story. All the talking is done, Chantel. All of the things that they were saying is done because now they are here. So we know the boxing capabilities of Clarissa Shields technically from a technical standpoint, man, she's one of the best technical boxers that we have seen, right? She's fast. She's quick. She's got good hands, good hand speed, cuts off the ring well, knows how to maneuver inside the ring. The thing with her, though, that Savannah Marshall makes clear all the time is she says, man, you have pillow fists and, and this and that. And yeah, okay. She's got two knockouts. But every single fight that Clarissa Shields has been in, she has won definitively. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's been clear. She's won. She's found a way to win. Savannah Marshall's going over to her side. You know you have the power. But Savannah Marshall, man, her style of, of, of boxing was a little bit strange to me when I first started seeing her because she looks very lackadaisical. She doesn't always look like she's in it, right? Her hands are low and she's bobbing, she's weaving. And it looks like, wait a minute, does this girl know she's in a fight or she's sparring? And then she yeah. turns on and then the aggression is different. And then she comes forward and the hands starting to let go and she's very heavy handed. So she doesn't always have to touch you to light you up. And so in this fight, Chantel, to me, it's, it's, it's speed, it's accuracy, it's the elusiveness versus the power and the pressure and the pace. You got to take your pick in this one, right? Can't go wrong with either or. But for me in this fight, I think Clarissa Shields is going to tap up Savannah Marshall all night. I think the one thing that Clarissa Shields will have to do is she cannot stay in one spot. She cannot be stagnant. She cannot stay in the middle of the ring. She cannot get on the rope. She cannot have that ego trip for a little bit to say, you know what? I'm going to stand here and show people that I can fight, that I got this power. No, don't do that. You in trouble if you do that. Let's not do that, right? Let's make this a fight the Clarissa Shields way. So when she comes in to fight, when she comes in to throw that, that, that wingspan, right, just dodge it and give that counter, right? And I think that is going to be how she wins this fight. This, if Savannah Marshall makes this an ugly fight, then we may see Clarissa Shields on the ground. We haven't seen two of these women tested like what they are about to be in this fight. And so in this one, Chantel, I'm going with Clarissa Shields. I think the speed and the movement will be a little bit too much for Savannah Marshall. Not that she will really ever be in trouble per se, but I think it will be tough for her to keep up with the pace and the speed and the quickness and the elusiveness of Clarissa Shields. But on the other hand, Clarissa Shields hasn't faced a puncher like Savannah Marshall before. What are your thoughts, Chantel? How do you have this one going? It's uh, We've been talking about this one for a while now. Yeah, for a minute. So you're taking Shields to win by? Decision. Decision. All right. Well, you know, let's get into a little bit of the background story as well, because it is honestly just such a good story. And some people might not know it if you're, you know, a casual boxing fan or, um, you know, you're you're wanting to know the story between this because Shields, she's 12 and 0. As Akeem mentioned, she only has two knockouts, right? So as he said, Savannah Marshall has always said, you know, she's got pillow fits and they've been going at it on Twitter and stuff, but she's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. She's a three division champion, crazy amateur record, 77 and one. That one loss is Savannah Marshall. Right. So the story really develops there and you got to love the background story. Shields, very technical, high IQ, really nice jab. 
I love her faint game. Like she's got one of the best faint games ever. She throws ridiculous combos. They're nasty. She has good speed. And I think she does have a really nice right hand. That's my favorite punch from her. And she's very good defensively as well. And she has good head movement, Mm -hmm. right? And both of these ladies have fought Sydney LeBlanc, Femke Hermans, and Hannah Rankin. And I think Hannah Rankin is who Savannah Marshall beat to get the WBO, um, which of course this is on the line at 160 for Undisputed. And Savannah Marshall, what she's really known for is her power, right? You talked about how she's a little bit different in the ring, but when she's in the ring, I feel like she's like extremely comfortable. And then she gets into a rhythm and that's when you get in trouble. You don't want to let Savannah Marshall get into a rhythm because I think she has a really good jab. Uh, Her uppercut is nasty and she can knock you out in different ways. Like we've seen her knockout girls in different ways, right? She's got power. She's got that straight right. She's got that left hook that she can knock you out with well. So she's definitely a threat in this fight because she has that power and she's pretty good defensively as well. I think Clarissa Shields, I give her the edge defensively, but um, Savannah is going to have the height advantage as as well in this one, right? I think she's like 5'10", 5'11", and Savannah's like... Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, Clarissa's like 5'8". So Marshall is going to have the height advantage in this one. I think Clarissa Shields right away, she's going to establish the jab early. She's going to tap her. She's going to move inside the ring really well. And she's just going to keep busy. And I think Marshall is going to have some good moments as well because these two have never fought better competition than each other. For both of them, this is going to be the best competition they've ever fought. But when I look at it, Another thing that we should actually be thinking about, it's that this fight is being fight over the pond, right? At the O2 arena, crowd noise is going to be a thing. So like, say if Marshall starts landing, because like the thing about it is as a boxing fan, like we don't actually know how judges score. Like does crowd noise go into it when like a boxer, a boxer lands a really good shot and the crowd's like, oh, right. Because Savannah Marshall is going to be getting the oohs and ahs anytime she possibly has maybe Clarissa Shields, maybe on the ropes because she cuts off the ring really well too. Savannah Marshall, right? But the thing about it is all around Clarissa Shields is the better boxer. She's more skilled and I give her the edge defensively. I think she's going to be just jabbing it up. She's going to be keeping busy. It's going to be a volume thing. She's going to be moving around the ring. But the thing about it is, is if it goes to the cards and Savannah's winning some rounds because we don't know how the judges are going to score it, this is her turf, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of her fans are going to be there. And as a boxing fan, (laughs) as a boxing fan, I'm like, man, I've seen this way too many times. So. And I might sound a little bit jaded. I think Clarissa Shields is going to win. Let's just get that down, right? Like, I think she's going to win, but I think she's going to win by, like, split decision. And I say this because I think there's going to be some judges that give it to Savannah. I think the crowd noise is going to play in. Time difference. Like, what it kind of reminds me of is when Haney went over to Australia to fight Cambosis, right? Going away, he's fighting Cambosis in his backyard. Um, but Clarissa Shields, like she's going to have everyone against her. You know, mm-hmm. this is not, this is not her home. Like, so that's going to play into effect. And I think when we go to the judges scorecards, like I actually wouldn't be surprised if we saw a draw, Look, like it- this is one of those fights where I'm like, man, like if we saw a draw, I'm not going to be surprised. Cause as, as a boxing fan, I've seen too many robberies in broad daylight. There's too many times where I've seen boxers get robbed. I hope Clarissa Shields doesn't get robbed. But I think she's going to win 
by split decision. That's just the way I think. I, I think the fact that it is in Savannah's backyard, that's going to play into effect. And even though we might think that Savannah, you know, lost the fight and that Clarissa beat her and dominated in every round, I possibly think that could possibly happen. Like I said, Savannah going to have some good rounds, but I think it's going to be like a split decision. There's going to be some controversy. The cards are going to be a little bit wayside, but that's how I see it going. I think if it's I think if it's close, you mentioned Devin Haney and Cambosis. Devin Haney made it no way that you can say that this is what it is. And to some, the scorecards are still a little close there, but Devin Haney definitively won that fight. And I think if Clarissa doesn't do that, like if there are some swing rounds, it's gonna go to they're gonna go to Marshall. Yeah, like so, easy. So hey, this is gonna be yeah. interesting, dude. Like it's gonna be like yo. It's going to be, it's going to be split decision. I wouldn't even be surprised if we got a draw, but like, they're just not going to give a unanimous decision victory to, to Clarissa Shields. I don't see it happening. It doesn't exist on home turf. (laughs) No, not at all. To know your thoughts. How do you have it going? Who do you see winning? And you know, if you want to throw the judges in there, how do you see them dictating this one? Let us know in the comments section below politics, man, politics, but on point blank, we don't do politics. We don't have, well, we have favorites, but we don't let our favorites jade our opinion. Let's go over to the co-main event of that fight. Chantel, Alicia Baumgartner versus Michaela Mayer. What are your thoughts on this one? How do you have it going? Who do you have winning? It's crazy because I think I might be a little bit even more excited for this one. Um, I can't even tell you which one I like, which fight I'm more excited for. This is like 1A, 1B for me because I'm a fan of Michaela Mayer, but I'm a bigger fan of Alicia Baumgartner, the bomb. Let's talk about Mayer though, 17 and 0. She's got five knockouts. So right away, you know, she's not a knockout artist. Uh, Her last fight that I saw against Jennifer Hahn, she won by unanimous decision, but she bodied her. Like, I thought she destroyed her. I was like, man, I thought Han was going to put up like a little bit of a better fight. But that's how good Michaela Mayer is, right? She usually has the height and reach advantage, and she uses that to her advantage extremely well. She has great footwork. She knows how to control the distance really well. I love her overhand right. She has a good jab. She throws really good combos. Mm-hmm. The one thing about Michaela Mayer, though, I think she leaves herself open at times. But she's decent defensively, but she does leave herself open at times. And on the inside with Alicia, you don't want to do that. But she does um, take shots pretty well, but I don't think she has the best head movement. Like, I think she could have better head movement, but she's also very experienced, right? She's got, what, like four more fights than uh, Alicia Bumgarner, of course, like the amateurs as well. Um, But Alicia... I mean, this girl is an absolute beast, man. 12 and one, seven by knockout. She's got real power. And I go back to last year. I think it was last year, right? When she knocked out Terry Harper and Terry Harper was like standing up and it was like a standing up knockout. And I just like lost it. Cause it was, I, that was up for fight, uh, knockout of the year. The Alicia airport. Baumgartner did her thing. Yeah, I was at the airport. And I was losing it. Cause I'm like, this is crazy. Um, and Alicia, her only split decision, her only loss was a split decision. Um, she has really good punch selection. Uh, she sets up her shots really well. I also think she's more of the slicker boxer than Mare. Um, I love her right hand. It's ridiculous. It could put you to sleep. It's more than nasty. I say nasty a lot, but her right hand is filthy. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like it should be locked up and put away because her right hand is absolutely dangerous and she knows how to control the distance really well. She's extremely technical and she moves around the ring really well. And in this fight, Alicia Baumgartner is the underdog. Let's just keep it real here. And what have we seen Alicia Baumgartner do? We've seen her being the, be, be the underdog and we've seen her be victorious. All right, a lot of people are taking Michaela Mayer for this one, and I'm not surprised that they are, but I think Mayer leaves herself open. But if she's going to bang with Alicia on the inside, I think Alicia is going to bang on it. She's like not afraid to bang with you on the inside. So if she's going to bang with Alicia on the inside, which I feel like that could happen because Alicia is really good at controlling the distance, then I think she's going to land a big one on Michaela Mayer. And I have Alicia Baumgartner shocking the world once again. And I have her knocking out Michaela Mayer. What about you, Akeem? How do you see this one going? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 one of those things, man. I mean, I remember that knockout and I was like, yo, this girl is out cold before she even she didn't even get a chance to hit the canvas. It's probably good that they stopped the ref when she was up against Terry Harper, um, you know. In this fight, there were two fights, Chantel, that really stuck out to me. And it wasn't it wasn't Alicia's fight against uh, Terry Harper. Um, it was the fight before that when she fought, no, after that when she fought Edith, Edith, Myothith, Mayasis, something like that. And we saw the power against Terry Harper. But when she fought her last fight against Edith, we saw something different, right? She won every single round. They call her the bomb for a reason. But I also want to know, what is the boxing looking like? What have you been working on? What kind of developments have you been doing? And every single round that fight, I saw something different. I saw rounds that she took off, that she still won definitively. Mm-hmm. And so I saw the quickness. I saw the speed. I saw the explosiveness. I saw the footwork. I saw how she was able to fight off the back foot, step aside, transition, land an uppercut. I saw a lot of good things that makes us just talented and special fighter. Going over to Michaela Mayer, the fight that really uh, made me say, you know what, this girl has got something different here. I needed to see. We know we knew we could. She could box. We know the pedigree, but I wanted to see the toughness. And when she fought Hamadouche, that was something that I said, okay, this woman is not afraid to fight inside the pocket because there are some fights where it's not about skill. You know, it's skill, but it requires something else: toughness, grit heart can you stand inside the pocket and use your strength and trade shots can you take a shot can you give a shot what is the moment going to look like if your plan isn't working and against Hamadouche she did something else and found a way to win that fight so Chantel everything that you said I completely agree with to me this fight is going to come down to the seventh the eighth the ninth and the tenth round someone is going to be down Someone is going to be down on the card. Someone is going to need to come to life. And the skills is going to be there, but you're going to have to take some risk in order to make it happen. And so I think skill goes out the way going into the championship rounds, and it's going to be hard and willing. Who is going to want it more? Who is going to come out and take the risk and necessarily make it happen at the right time? Alicia Baumgartner is going to be that person, Chantel. I feel like the speed and the quickness is going to be a little bit too much for Michaela Mayer. I think she's going to come in. I think she actually needs to be the aggressor. I don't think she should fight from a distance against Baumgartner. I think she's too quick. 
I think she's too fast. I think her footwork is too good. But if she can apply the pressure and be the aggressor in this fight, like she did against Hamadouche, I think that is her best bay to win this fight. Get her in the corner, let the hands go, and impose your will in your frame because she's got the height, she's got the size, she's got the wingspan. Use that to your advantage. Make Alicia Baumgartner be the counterpuncher, right? Make her fight off the back foot. But I just think Alicia's movement's going to put her in positions where she's going to be able to counter Michaela Mayer and catch her often in this fight. So people say it's a shock, but it, it's really a 50-50 fight depending on what type of style 100%. you like, right? So the, I'm with you. I got Alicia Baumgartner winning this fight. But they have um, they have Michaela Mayer as like a, a lot of a bigger favorite than they do Alicia. So it's crazy because it definitely is a 50-50 fight. And I also think the fight, the main event fight is also possibly a 50-50 fight, even though I think Shields is all around the better boxer. But we're, we're ready for some good women's boxing. I'm super excited for this bout. And um, honestly, like to see Clarissa Shields and Alicia Baumgartner fight on one card. And I'm not being a little bit biased. I know I picked them to win. Okay, I'm totally being biased. But um, I think the card's going to be crazy and I'm super pumped for it. Point Blank would love to know your thoughts. Who do you have winning this fight? How do you have it going? Let us know in the comment section below. Let's go over to the Octagon, Chantel. UFC 279. Man, UFC's really been just like going crazy these past past couple of years, right? And this is going to be another great card. And we're talking about the main event card with Hamzat Kamaya versus Nate Diaz. What do you think about this fight, Chantel? Who do you have winning? Well, Hazmat Chimaev, he's 11-0, coming off a grueling win off Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is no slouch. Like, that fight was absolutely crazy, and he gave it to him. Chimaev's younger. He has the height and reach advantage. He's got power. I think against Nate Diaz, he's the better wrestler. He's got speed, and he's got a vicious right hand, man. As for Nate Diaz, he's... 21 and 13, I think. Uh, he's a veteran, tons of experience, right? His last two losses, Leon Edwards, and we saw what Leon Edwards just did recently. He also lost to Jorge Masvidal. So he needs this win right now, but he also has elite submission skills. I think he's a little bit slept on as a boxer. Uh, just looking at his boxing skills, I think I give him the edge over Chimaev. Uh, of course, we know that Chimaev has that crazy right hand, though. But Nate Diaz is also a good striker. Like I mentioned, his ground game is elite. And against that fight against Leon Edwards, like I went back to watch that fight. And they went the full five. Leon Edwards won by unanimous decision. But the one thing that I just know when everyone knows is like Nate Diaz has a heart of a lion. He's not going to stop. Right. And it doesn't matter how much he's bleeding from his forehead. He's going to be bleeding from his forehead in this fight. There's going to be blood all over the octagon, all over his eyes. Um, and he's still going to go for it because that's how tough he is. Mm -hmm. He's tough as nails. And I know Hazmat Chimaev right now, he's being looked upon as like next up. Like this is the dude. He's so good. He's so skilled. And he is like, I'm not going to lie. Like he's really, really good. And my heart really wants Nate Diaz to win. And I know Chimaev, I know how good he is. I know how skilled he is. I know that Nate Diaz is the huge underdog. But here's the thing. In that Gilbert Burns fight, I know Chimaev won. But Gilbert Burns gave it to him. And that kind of showed me in that fight that he's not completely perfect as everyone's kind of making him out to be, right? There are some flaws. As for Nate Diaz, just because he has that heart of a lion, and he, he needs this, right? And because if 
if Nate Diaz was to beat Hazmat Shumayev, we're going to see him get a bigger fight, right? Possibly a title fight. Like if he is able to defeat Hazmat Shumayev, like we're going to see him on another card on a big fight. So I think there's a lot with Nate Diaz. A lot of people are not taking him, but I'm going to roll with the underdog. I rolled with the underdog in our boxing pick. I'm going to roll with Nate Diaz because if I think he gets past that first round, because in that first round, I think Hazmat Shumayev actually has a chance to possibly knock him out with like the right hand because Nate Diaz is going to, you know, he's going to be striking. But at the same time, if they get onto the ground, I think Hazmat Shumayev also will be able to get him onto the ground because that's how good he is. I think if he's able to get Nate Diaz onto the ground, they're going to grapple, but I still give a little bit of the edge uh, submission skills grappling to Nate Diaz. And also he's a veteran. Like he's, he's fought guys, man. He has the better resume. I know he's older. I know the cards are stacked up against him, but because this cards are stacked up against him, because I know he's so used to fighting, uh, with so much blood on his face and there's going to be blood in this fight. I'm going to roll with Nate Diaz to win this one, Akeem. And I have him winning by submission. Actually. What about you? Who do you have winning this fight? Yeah. You spoke about Hamza and the fight against Gilbert Burns, right? You get taken, parts of you get taken every time you enter a fight. And parts of Chmaev was taken after that fight. I actually think he went into that fight and yes, he absolutely won. And previously before, you know, people were saying how he's unstoppable and this and that. But in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but he hasn't really fought anybody yet. And you take this jump from jumping, from fighting people who were not ranked in the top 15 to fighting someone who was ranked number two at the time, that's a big step up. But what it also showed, yes, it showed us a lot of flaws in him, but what it also showed me, Chantel, is the fact that Shemaev is willing to do whatever it takes to win a fight. And that says something. I remember going back to when Izzy was fighting. I forgot who he was fighting, but I remember seeing it and he was mouthing, I'm willing to die in this fight. And I think to myself, not me, if that was me, no, I'm out. You know what I'm saying? Not me, but he's going to do whatever he needs to do to win this fight. But I do think in that fight, his ego got him a little bit because he went in and thinking that he was going to be able to have his way with a guy like Gilbert Burns. And that just wasn't the case right? Chimaev is, is deceivingly strong. We know he's good. He's well-balanced. He's very accurate. He's a good striker. He uses the strength to take you down. He's a good wrestler. We know all of the intangible things that he does have to offer. Nate Diaz, he's a crowd favorite, right? People love this guy. And you, part of it too is, you know, you, you, you want to go to an event where you are, where you know, someone is going to give you everything that they have each and every single night his skill he's his his fighting style is unique and it's unorthodox you know you talk about that leon edwards fight i was seeing like in that fight nate was like you know turning his back on 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 leon i was like yo what are you doing and then he would strike i was like yo wait a minute what type of style is this right but it's exciting and it's fun and it's entertaining you talked about the lion, the heart of a lion. You know Nate Diaz is tough as they come. And you are literally going to have to knock him out for him to get out of that ring because he's just going to keep on coming. The question that I have, Chantel, is how much more does he have left? I know him and Dana have been going back and forth. I actually don't think win or lose that we see Nate Diaz inside of this particular environment, octagon again. We're going to see him fight, boxing probably, but I don't think we're going to see him in the octagon. He wants to get out but I just don't know how much he has left. In the previous fights against Masvidal, 
against Leon Edwards, it was a convincing win by both. I know this, this fight against Masvidal was stoppage uh, because of um, because of the blood and the cut, but yeah. it's tough when you're 37 and now you've lost two fights and you're fighting against the best and you're coming up short when there was a time when you were one of the best and you weren't the one on the other side of it. You were the one winning. So I don't know what he has left. And that is why I got to go with Shemaev. He's the younger fighter. He's got more of a high ceiling at this stage in his career. Now there's this target and pressure on his back. And if he wants a title shot, if he thinks that he can win, he has to continue this winning streak. Doesn't mean that he is going to not get touched in this fight. He's going to get touched yeah. up. Nate is, is it's an, it's an unique, unorthodox style. And he's going to catch you. But I just think at this point, at this stage in their career, I think Shemaev uh, has the upper hand. So I have Shemaev winning this fight. I think it stops. I think he stops him. I think he stops him, Chantel, in either the third or the fourth round. I think he gets the job done. Uh, point, point blank, would love to know your thoughts. Who do you have winning this one? How do you see going? Win, lose, or draw? Is this the last time that we see Nate Diaz? Let us know in the comment section below. A lot of times in life, Chantel, man, as we know, the journey, it requires a lot of different things. We talked last week about being steadfast, and this week we're talking about being diligent. It's a very important key component part of life in everyday manner when we're trying to work towards something and believing and being hopeful for what's to come. When you hear the word diligent, what comes to mind? Well, I automatically think about just work and work that you put in, because if you're diligent about something and you really extremely care about it, and you're working hard towards it. I think it shows in your work that you put out. That's what I think being diligent is, right? Because you care about something and you're focused on it and you're working really hard towards something. So for me, when you're absolutely diligent about something, you put all your effort into it. And I think people will notice Man, you know what? Akeem is really diligent, extremely diligent when it comes to putting out his videos, putting out his work. You know what <laughs> I mean? It was an example, but yeah, man, humble too, humble too. No. Um, but yeah, um, I think people notice it. And I think that's something that you can be proud of after, you know, hard days of work, being putting so much effort into something and then seeing pretty much everything that you're getting out of it. And I think also being diligent helps you become more of a structured person because you're focused. So that's what I think when I think about being diligent. What about you, Akeem? Yeah, it makes me think, man, you got to be diligent in the small things that maybe not a lot of people care about. That's one thing sports taught me. Man, I used to hate warming up. Still don't like warming up because I just, I wish there was a machine where you could step in and you could just be warm and ready to go. But when I started to get to the professional level of sports, I started to realize the practice starts the moment that you take that first lap. Then it starts once you start your drills, because how you do your drills is going to go over to how your training session goes. If you don't warm up good, you're not going to be able to take advantage of the full session. And so for me, it wired my mind to think about the small things that we often overlook. It's easy to just say, you know what, we're not going to do that today because da, 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 we know what it's going to look like, right? One of the things for me that I've done, you know, in, in whether I'm making videos or I'm speaking, I used to hate hearing my voice. I used to hate hearing myself speak. But then I got to go back and I have to watch the videos to be able to say, you know what? Okay, this is where I need to improve on. This is where this and that. But those are the small details that because we're used to it, we feel like we don't have to. 
So that's what being diligent means to me is making sure that you aren't neglecting the small things and you're doubling down on that because it's the small things that add up over time. And isn't that what success is? Small things stacked up on top of each other day in and day out. A lot of days are very mundane and all look the same. But how can you stay focused and be diligent in those mundane days that make you feel like you're actually progressing? So that's what uh, diligent means to me. Point blank would love to know your thoughts. What does diligent mean to you when it comes to mine? What does it make you think of? Before we get out, Chantel, we are actually, what, over 300 subscribers now on the YouTube channel. I feel like we've got to give ourselves a round of applause for that because... And Chantel tell, says all the time, if we would have had like seven, eight subscribers, we would yeah. not have been continuing this show. So again, thank each of you for continuing to tune into the show and supporting the show. We don't take your eyes or your ears for granted. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. So with all that being said, I'm Akeem Haynes. I'm Chantel Chance. And this is Point Blank. And we'll see you next time.